0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for um, our youth and the opportunity that we have to... um, Be members of the body of Christ with them. Um, And Lord, I pray that you would use this time um, to educate and equip us and encourage us um, in the gospel, Lord, and that your word would go forth um, and not mine and that um, it would fall on fertile soil this morning. Um, Thank you so much for this day and for all the good gifts you've given us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Oh, great. We do have a PowerPoint. So, welcome. My name is Rebecca Langford. For those of you that don't know me, I am the new senior high youth director here at the Advent. Um, I grew up here, so it's nice to be in a familiar place and see lots of familiar faces, but I certainly feel very inadequate to be up here, especially since I am not a parent and I'm about to tell you how to be a better parent. Um, that feels really funny to me. But I'm really I'm really grateful for this opportunity. And so, as most of y'all know, we've been going through kind of our five pillars of, of the way we think about youth ministry here at the Advent. And um, I know last week, I think, Tucker talked about the importance of theological depth. We've talked about the importance of gospel centrality, um, relational discipleship. And so this week, we're going to talk about Teaching kids like real church members, also known as intergenerational integration, but obviously I prefer this title a lot better because it's a lot easier to say. Um, and so, to be completely honest with you all, when I was assigned this topic, I was kind of like, "Okay, intergenerational integration. I think I know what that means. I can, you know, break that word down and think about what it means." But it was not a concept I had ever really given much thought. I'm, this is only my second year in youth ministry, and it just i hadn't really had time to think about the importance of it before and so, in preparing for this class, um, it became really clear to me that not only does it make sense based on research that we've seen um, about how to form Christian kids, but it also is just a very very biblical idea, this idea of um, mingling within different generations in the church and how that can benefit both um, our youth and the body of Christ as a whole. And so the way that I want to structure this class this morning is um, going through what is intergenerational integration? What does that look like? um, Why is it important? We're going to look at what some research has told us and then what, most importantly, Scripture tells us. And then how. Um, Hopefully that'll be the most encouraging part to you because the Advent is already doing this in really, really cool ways. Um, so let's start with the, with the what. What is intergenerational integration? And I have a definition for us that I'll put up in a couple minutes, but I was thinking, I, I wanted to, I love a good anecdote. And so I was thinking of like, what does this look like? Um, and this came to my mind pretty quickly. So at the previous church I was working at in Charlottesville, Virginia, We had a church retreat one weekend and we had um, a fair amount of free time and i was looking at the schedule and i was kind of um in this cohort of other young adults that were on the retreat with me and we noticed that during free time they were offering this class on english country dancing like think like jane austen movies and so the young adults and i were kind of like We've got to go to this. I mean, why would you not go take a class on English country dancing? Mm-hmm. Turns out we have a parishioner that's a couple. The woman is a fiddle player. And the um, husband teaches history of dance at the University of Virginia. So um, we were like, we've got to go check this out. And to be honest, we kind of had this mentality of like, we are about to grace the old people with our presence in English country dancing if anyone has shown up and we walk in and it the room was packed and there were young families there were elderly um you know widows and widowers there were um middle-aged couples it was awesome and i'll know if you um know much about english country dancing why would you but um you you change partners all the time you're constantly moving and so it was the most it was truly one of the most fun experiences I've ever had in my life. It was, you know, one moment you would be dancing with a little seven-year-old, and then you'd be dancing with a 50-year-old man, and then you would be with another young adult. So it was just this really fun way of all the generations were together. We were mingling. We were having a great time, and we were enjoying fellowship with one another. Um, and obviously that's not the most perfect example because we weren't um, doing something specifically related to the church, But it was a really beautiful picture, I think, of what intergenerational integration looks like. Um, But better than English country dancing, here is a kind of like secular um, definition of intergenerational integration. So intergenerational is generally understood as members of two or more different generations having some degree of mutual influential relationship developed through cooperative interaction to achieve common goals. So I know that's kind of like a campy definition, but I really liked how this definition included the idea of mutual. That's one thing that I um, hope we will learn from this class, that um, when generations are integrated well, there's not a sense of entitlement from one generation. There's a sense that we are all equal because we are all members of the same body of Christ. And then this kind of broad phrase, achieve common goals, the way I think about that is it relates to the church of building the body of Christ so that he is glorified. Um, so that's kind of the, the def- broad definition we're working with here. And before we get more into the why of intergenerational integration, um, I think it's worth noting that historically um, and kind of the default setting of youth ministry can be that it's thought of as a kind of kids table within the church. I'm sure many of you have large family gatherings and you have a designated kids table. I, myself, am still sometimes confined to the kids' table. Um, but I think that's the way we can sometimes think of youth ministry, right? Like, we'll send them to the youth room or the kids' table, and then when they're old, we'll invite them into the main dining room or big church, as we always called it. Um, and so the Advent really is passionate about kind of fighting back against this this default tendency that we have, Um We really want our youth to feel like they are welcome at the big table, and we want them to feel like true members of the body of Christ here. Um, And so, yeah, I just think it's worth noting that this is, we have to kind of be um, proactive in combating what youth ministry has been treated as historically. Um, And then, again, before we talk about more of the whys. I think it's important. Uh, th- these are not my own. I got these from an article, but I thought I thought it was a really helpful way of thinking about it. What what does it tell our kids when we don't include them in the larger body of the church? What are kind of the implications of this? Um, and so I think several things. One, um, we we communicate, and obviously these are unintentional. We w- we don't really think this, but I think this is what we unintentionally communicate. Um, youth are not valuable to the function and life of the church. You know, when we don't welcome them into the body, I think that sends the message of we're fine without you. We don't need you. You don't really have a role here. And I actually heard this statistic. I think Cameron mentioned it in a class earlier. But it, um, he told it to me the other day, and it's it's really shocking that um, the number one demographic of, of um, students least likely to commit suicide is those who feel that they have a meaningful role in life. Um, and that's what we're going for here. we want we want our children to feel valued and like they um, like they have a purpose here within the church. Um, number two, youth don't have the same need for the Lord that older generations do. Again, that's not what we think, but I think that's what that communicates. When we don't invite them into corporate worship. I think we're saying, uh well, you know, having your pizza and games in the youth group, that that's fine. Um and you don't need you don't need the weekly remembrance of um the death and resurrection. You don't need to confess your sins the way that we do. Um and obviously that is completely untrue and so not the message we want our kids to know. We want them to feel deeply their need for Jesus. Um and then third, youth are not full members of the body of Christ or the family of God. We're going to talk about this idea a little bit more, but we we want every single um, youth to feel fully incorporated into the beautiful structure, the way the beautiful way that the Lord has structured church. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit more about the why, and we're going to start with the less important of the whys, what research tells us. So um, a big um, thing that we adhere to within our youth team is that um, this research that's come out in the past decade or so about why kids aren't sticking with the church. Um, And this team at Princeton and with Fuller um, Seminary, um, they've done this big research project called the Sticky Faith Project. And through that, they're trying to understand why kids are not returning to church after they graduate. And so through lots of interviews and um, they wrote a whole book about it, they kind of started to um, understand a little bit more of why, why kids aren't sticking with the faith after they graduate from high school. Um, and so there are several reasons here. but And this is kind of where I was sur- surprised with the importance of interge- uh, intergenerational integration. Um, a huge reason why kids do not stick with the faith is because they don't feel connected to the church. They don't really, they don't really understand the role of the church, nor do they feel um, engrafted into it. And I, I was thinking about that, and that makes all the sense in the world to me. If all I knew growing up was the youth room, I would feel so scared and so uncomfortable to walk into a church um, when I was on my own in college. And so um, this when we integrate children into our larger church, that's what's going to make them feel more comfortable um, starting in church um, when they get into college. And so um, let's see. This is a quote from the book Sticky Faith, which, like I said, came out of all this research of why children are leaving um, the church upon graduation. So it says, contrary to the assumption that involving teenagers in youth group and peer activities is the key to vibrant spirituality, students' participation in all church worship during high school was more consistently linked with developing mature faith in both high school and college than any other participation variable. That really shocked me. Um, I, I, I really didn't know that corporate worship um, and inviting our youth into that w- would, was that big of a deal. So that's why we've started to really make this push for getting kids into our larger worship services as early as we possibly can. Um, because we think that is really important. And that's what the research shows. Um, and then another quote. High school, this is really interesting, y'all. High school students we surveyed who served in children's or middle school ministry seem to have stickier faith both in high school and college even if their motives were to avoid big church. So there is just something about being um, around other generations that makes children feel connected to the larger body and it makes them want to continue coming back to church. A um, couple more researchy things here. The number one way that churches made teens feel welcome and valued was when adults in the congregation showed an interest in them. And then teens who had five or more adults from the church invest in them during the ages of 15 to 18 were less likely to leave the church after high school. So to me, I mean, this is just a really clear um, mandate almost of what the research is telling us, that um, if kids don't feel connected, if they don't feel welcomed, if they don't feel valued... They won't stick with the faith after high school, which is um, not what we want. And so um, what's cool about all this, and um, this is true in every facet, or all the five pillars of youth ministry that we adhere to, um, the research confirms what Scripture says, or I guess, you know, vice versa. No, the research confirms what Scripture says, which is great, because um, it makes all the sense in the world, because, you know, we believe that Scripture is um, ordained by the Lord. And so that, um, is, that leads us into looking at what does scripture say about intergenerational integration? Um, and it kind of, again, with the research, I was, um, I was surprised at how much this is in, how much this shows up in scripture all the way from the old Testament to the new. Um, it is clear that the Lord cares about this and that it, he, um, wants us to think about it with our youth. Um, would someone read this passage from Titus 2? Would it, could I get a volunteer? Okay. Oh, thank you, Abby.
1: But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified self-controlled, control sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and sensitive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness to purify for himself a people for his own possession,
0: who are zealous for good works. Thank you very much. So this is Paul um, writing to kind of a church planter-ish Titus. And it's just clear here that Paul Paul is saying the way the church functions best is when the generations are integrated. We see that older men are instructing younger men, and older women are doing the same. And there's there's no kids' table type mindset here. Um, all the generations are working together. Um, and I love the way I I almost cut it off, but I just, I had to keep it. I love the way that this passage ends, um, because when he talks about, um, purifying for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works, the youth are involved in this. Um, this is not age specific. Um, and so, uh, that's, this is a New Testament example. Um, and then again, I think this is kind of, this goes without saying, but I love that it says salvation for all people. This goes back to the idea that we don't ever want our youth to feel like they don't need the Lord. We want them to um, know that when Paul talks about salvation for all, that includes them as well. Um, and so let's look at a passage from the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. Um, I'll read this one. Then Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, At the end of every seven years, at the set time in the year of release, at the Feast of Booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, the men, women, and little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the words of this law, that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. So I really like this passage actually um, because what we see is that when the uh, little ones, as it says here, are invited to um, this reading of the Mosaic Law, that's corporate worship. Um, And the kids are involved in that. Um, They are there to hear um, the Mosaic Law read. And I also really like how this passage kind of acknowledges the importance of um, youth seeing what it looks like to have faith um, as an adult. And that they can hear the way that the Lord has been faithful to people that are older than them or younger than them. Um, And one of my favorite parts of my week is every uh, Thursday morning at 9th grade girls small group. Um, we meet at the Hornsby's house and I don't, I'm do not glad she's not in here because I don't want to embarrass her but Virginia Hornsby um, hosts us at her home and uh, she sometimes will um, sit with us and enjoy small group with us and I love it um, every week when we share our prayer requests because the the girls, their prayer requests usually look like, you know, I've got a math test I'm really stressed about, or my friend didn't invite me to her birthday party, I'm really sad. And Virginia's prayer requests are always so different. Um, And my prayer requests are usually different. And I love this idea, though, because the the girls are getting to see, A, what it looks like to have lasting faith in the Lord, and then also that um, the way the Lord works in people's lives is not age-specific. Um, and again, we know that, but I think that the more that the youth are integrated, they see that they see examples of what it looks like, um, to be a faithful servant of the Lord. Well, into old age, not that Virginia is old. She is, (laughs) um, she's wonderful, but yeah, that's, that's what that makes me think about of, um, getting to see the way the Lord works throughout all the different generations. Um, and so those are kind of two examples of, Uh, kind of the mandate for intergenerational integration, but ultimately what this all boils down to is just an understanding of the church and the way that the Lord intended um, the church to be. Um, And the fancy word for this is ecclesiology, but that just means the theology of the church. And I just wanted to impress you guys with the fact that I know that word. Um, But so yeah, that's what it ultimately boils down to, is just what, what, how did the Lord intend the church to work? And I don't think there's any better place than um, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Um, and this is kind of a long one, but um, does anyone want to read this one?
2: I'll read
0: Oh, thank you.
2: For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And all those parts of the body that we think less honorable we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all
0: rejoice together. Thank you. That was so beautifully done. Um, and yeah, I just have. Really grown to love this passage again, this is one that I kind of always knew, and like you know thought, oh yeah, that's a cool metaphor, but thinking about it in terms of integrating our youth, I just love it, and I love it just makes sense, you know um, it it would be so silly for the foot to say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, um, and in the same way that that just makes sense, I think that intergenerational integration just makes sense um, if we are going to be faithful to Um, The biblical function of the church and that is to grow um, in the body of Christ so that he is glorified Um, and so clearly youth are not excluded from this body Um, we we need hands and we need feet Um, and I really like the way that Paul says um, in verse 15 if the foot should say because I am not a hand I do not belong to the body that would not make it any less a part of the body and I think sometimes this is kind of the lie that our kids believe they think well i'm not i'm not eighteen um so i don't really have a i don't really have a purpose here i don't really know they they don't need me um and i think sometimes the older generations can have kind of have this mindset too of um you know we're good we don't we don't need you we um we've been doing just fine um but that would be you know the body without a foot or whatever um so i just really like Um, how simple this metaphor is, yet how how much it tells us about the role of the church Um, and that the youth are to be members of this body of Christ in the beautiful way that the Lord intended it. And so one thing that we also are really big on is educating um, both older generations and our children on what is the role of the church. Because I think sometimes um, when they're confined to the youth room, uh, kids can think, oh, well, church is a place where I go and have fun and learn about Jesus, and it's about it's about me. It's about um, the church meeting my needs and my age-specific needs. Um, when in reality, it's about something so much bigger than them, and it's about something that goes well beyond their teenage years, um, and it's about being the body, suffering together, um, building up Christ together. Um, and so... Those are those are the whys. From the sticky faith research to what the Lord has told us through his word. Um, so now let's talk about some hows. How do we integrate? Um, that's another great passage from Ephesians, but I'm not going to talk about that right now. Um, okay. Again, I did not come up with these, but I really like them, so I stole them. Um, number one, educate on the biblical role of the church. I just talked about that. Um, two, integrate youth into the larger function of the church and that's kind of like a duh one but um, one helpful way of thinking about this I think is where where are areas in our church where it would be so easy to integrate you know maybe we do a service project that the kids would love to join in on um, and I think that just takes prayer of um, asking the Lord to reveal to us those places where, we could easily, um, involve more generations. Um, and then this is the biggest one. And I, I'm a big, um, I, I've struggled with this a lot. Expect more out of teens and their ability to contribute. Um, again, I'm only in my second year of ministry, but I really forget how, how much they can do. And I'm, I'm always so surprised when they do really impressive things. And when they ask really impressive questions, um, Just last week, um, in one of our small groups, or I guess it was our senior small group, we always start with our highs and our lows. And a girl in my small group said that her high was when she got to lead um, her ninth grade small group. She's a co-leader with me. And that blew me away. I thought that was so cool that that was her high of the week. Um, And so, yeah, not only can they, but they want to. And that just always is something that I'm so quick to forget. Um, They really can do a lot, and so... Um, we can expect a lot of them. Um, And they do have value, and we want to bestow and affirm that value. Um, And so let's talk a little bit, um, just to give you some encouragement, and then hopefully we can have a just discussion about this. Um, How is the Advent integrating? Um, And the first way is, like I kind of mentioned before, we're really pushing for... More integration into corporate worship. You've probably noticed that that's changed a little bit of late. Um, I think it's what as early as like fourth grade now they are invited into um, our big church as we call them as we call it. They stay the whole time. They stay the whole time. Um, when are how old are you or when are you dismissed?
3: Fourth grade stays the whole time. As
0: young as kindergarten comes in, this right. right before the sermon. That is great. That's so be, cool. Um, fifth grade. In Mm. Um, So that's really because um, we've just seen and been really convicted by, again, the research what the research has said and what Scripture has said. Um, Think back to that Deuteronomy passage. We want our youth to be there when the law is read. We want them to be there when they're confessing their sin. We want them to hear the sermon, even if it doesn't really make total sense to them just yet, um, because we believe that the Holy Spirit um, is still at work in their lives. Um, And again, I think corporate worship is a really cool way that they... Um, see what it looks like. I know I already said this, but they see what it looks like to have faith as an adult. And they see what it looks like um, for the Lord to be at work in other generations' lives. Um, another thing we do and hope to continue doing is giving youth opportunities to serve with adults. This is kind of where we really want to emphasize the that we want them to feel valued. We want them to feel like if they didn't show up, th- there would be there would be a difference. That they, they have a, a meaningful role um and i don't want to call the preachers out but i saw this amazing picture from the rwanda mission trip um and it's like y'all all the way down to little alice clapp um right before you left and i just think that is the most beautiful picture um of what it looks like to serve alongside um other generations and i i'd love to hear more about that trip i'm sure it was great um so yeah we want more of that we want we want more mission trips with um mixed generations um This is, this is one that Cameron reminded me of that we do that I have always loved. Making palm crosses. Who doesn't love sitting down and making a palm cross right before Palm Sunday? Um, and that we include youth in that. Um, acolyting. This is another one that I didn't really think about, but that, yeah, that is such, um, a meaningful role for youth to play. I remember acolyting, um, I've never felt so cool than carrying the dean's cross. Like you feel really really important when you are carrying the dean's cross. Um so we want to keep acolyting. Um this is a cool one. Kid, we um we have youth that play in the adult worship band. Um again, that's I, I wouldn't expect that of them. I forget how talented they are. Um and we want we want more of that. Um mission trips, I already mentioned that. That's a that's a hope we have for the future. Um and then we want um, them to have meaningful roles within the church so that they feel important. And the ways we're doing that are, um, like I mentioned, we have Bible study leaders. Um, every single one of the small groups that I lead has a co-leader who is in high school. And that's been really cool. They're so good at that. Um, VBS. I've, it's been a while since I've been to VBS, but from what I understand now, the kids kind of run the show, or the like teen leaders are kind of like, front and center of VBS, which is so awesome. Um, And again, I'm sure that makes them feel really valued. I'm sure that makes them feel connected. Um, I'm sure that makes them just have a thirst to be more integrated into the body of the church. Um, Sunday school leaders. um, We have so many youth that um, are helping out with our younger um, children. And uh, even if, like I said, even if their motivations are just to kind of get out of like big church, Something's happening there, um, and we want to encourage that. Um, did I leave anything out? Can anyone think of any other examples? The
1: evening,
0: oh, they do? They the door, that is so cool. I didn't know that that was a thing. That's really awesome. And I bet that's fun for them to be with adult men and to get to see what that looks like and to feel like they're serving the body. That's great. Did I, can, any, can anyone else think of any? Oh, Yeah the youth
4: work with the like once a month with the kids, the younger kids, not like in Sunday school but in the, when they leave and go to like the
0: Bible, Bible Adventures. Yes, Bible yeah. Adventures. Yeah, that's a great example. And I think that I didn't really emphasize that enough. I'm kind of talking about this as like a top-down thing, but it works bottom-up too, you know, when the youth feel like they are the ones um helping out with younger generations. I They love kids. And so, I think that's another great example of mingling the generations. Um,
4: I think the fifth grade Christmas pageant, even though it's a fifth grade thing, it's mm, a thing. I think our parish comes to expect it, and look forward to it. It's like the fifth grade; they're serving. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, they are serving the church that day. Yeah, Um, and that—that's another thing that always so impresses me with how talented fifth graders are. Um, So. Yes. I want I want us to be encouraged that this is something that the Advent cares about. And this is something that we, um, you know, we, we do. And we hope to do more of it because we have, it just feels like more and more we see how important um, it is for our youth to feel like they are members of the body. And so that when it's time for them to graduate and hopefully continue in the faith, they're going to feel like they um, are members of the body wherever they go. They're going to feel comfortable walking into church. They're going to feel comfortable even maybe approaching their pastor and saying, hey, I led a Bible study when I was in high school and I'd love to get involved here. How can I do that? Um, we don't. We want them to know so much more than the youth room. Um, and we want them to be involved in corporate worship so that they um, have that experience with the Lord that we all get to have every week. Um, and so let me pray for us. And then I thought that I was going to weigh over talk. Um, and we actually have time for questions. So that is great. All right, Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you so much for um, the gift of generations and the way that you have um, made the body to be one body with many parts, Lord. We are so thankful for the gift of your church. Um, And I pray, Father, for wisdom on how we can continue to integrate youth into the larger body. Um, I pray for grace um, as we learn how to do that well and faithfully. Um, and again, we just thank you so much for the gift of our students and for the opportunity that we have to share the gospel with them and um, to be members of the body with them, Lord. Thank you for this time, um, and thank you for this day. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, well, I really hope you guys have questions or just thoughts. Or, uh, yes?
3: I'll put you on the spot, but what was your experience you know, leaving the Advent, going to college? What hmm. were the instruments that... Um, allowed you to maintain your faith
0: through that. Yeah, that's a good question. Well to be honest, I never really considered not going to church. Which sounds like a that sounds like I'm just really awesome, but I think it was just more of like it was just ingrained into to a formal church on Sunday? I did, yes. It was it was different from the Advent. It was a little more um casual. Um so this is actually cool. That's a great question. Um Every senior, I know you got one too, Margaret, Cameron wrote us letters, and then um, kind of an amendment to the letter was a list of churches, a list of local churches in the place where we were going. Um, So he had um, listed probably about three churches in Greenville that he knew of and that he um, commended to me, and I church-topped for the first couple weeks and then found a church that I loved and stuck with it. but I think it really was. The reason why I felt comfortable just going to church was because I had I had such experience in big church. I did acolyte. I was a you know, Sunday school leader. Um, I kind of that that was a very much so a part of my experience in the youth group. And so church was some I, I felt like a member of a, a member of the body. Um, and did
5: church do anything specifically to kind of identify you and welcome you?
0: The church in Greenville that I went to? Um, not necessarily, no. I, I mean, and to be honest, I would always kind of, um, I, 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 never really made myself available to that church, to be completely honest, because I felt like I didn't have the time. Um, but I, well, I certainly did feel like a, like I was engrafted into the body there. Um, I, I did introduce myself to the pastor and had, um, kind of a, a relationship with him. Um, But no, I don't think that uh, there wasn't anything specific. But it was a great experience. I loved the church I went to in Greenville. Um, And I don't think that I would have... I was kind of thinking about like, man, if I had only known the youth room, I really don't think I would have felt like I could look for a church in Greenville. And I would have been really scared. Anyone else? I had no idea what... Oh, um, yes. Mother and then... Mr. Taylor, yes. I had no idea what you were going to say this morning, and I
4: have to say you completely converted my thinking about children in big church.
0: Oh, good. I,
4: I do, and it's it's sort of it's a it's just a source of amusement to me now. But when I see the little people in between their parents during the long praying or the sermon or whatnot, and they're squirming and they're picking on each other and they're all over their parents and you know it I always feel for the parents mm. like let these people have a chance to worship and receive uh, uh, Instead, yeah doing what they do all the time right just be parents how do we keep what we got going mm. but somehow enable um, the parents of these little people to actually get to do church hmm
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't
4: know. Can I speak to that?
0: Please. <laughs> Gosh, that you is a tough mother. question. <laughs> <laughs> my own mother. I
1: have some days where I leave and I'm like, I did not hear one single
0: mm. one thing.
1: They're pulling on each other, they're fighting over me. But really, my years with them at this age are so small. Mm-hmm. Well, I mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. for one job is to disciple them mm-hmm. and to make them grow up and want to be in
3: church. Mm-hmm.
1: So days that I leave
0: Right, um, right. You know, and that somehow God will redeem that mm. for me, and he'll meet me in another place where I didn't feel met that
1: morning. And I think as people in the church, we can come around those parents and not, mm-hmm. like, I get looks. You know, maybe not give those looks. <laughs> maybe yeah. Maybe yeah. a pat on the back or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or something. So, you know, we can really encourage parents that are in the trenches there. Mm. There's nothing more than I want to do some days and just drop them off. And I say so
0: yeah. Bye. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's a, that's a really, thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. And I think too, again, I'm not a parent. I'm sure I would be very annoyed if my, to have a, you know, distracting child during the service. But, um, I think that's, I also think that's really beautiful, you know, that there's kind of this like messiness, um, in corporate worship, you know, that, that's, that's life. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that we, we're often distracted and, um. I mean, I think that I think that is a picture of the body um so thank you for sharing that and i am w- gonna get to your question, but you you reminded me, Mom, of something I meant to say um that w- obviously we're not in favor of like total integration, you know, like complete believe me you guys do not want to come to the senior high sex education class we're giving in a couple of weeks um nor do they <laughs> that's going to be very <laughs> it's going to be super age specific um and I mean we wouldn't we wouldn't ask them to go to the men's leadership Bible study quite yet you know like there there's certainly a time and a place for um segregation of the generations Um so I, I know that probably goes without saying, but um, for c- certainly there there are areas where youth will be with youth and adults will be with adults. Um, Mr. Taylor, did you have
5: something? I have more of a comment oh, please. Acolyting and then helping with the, uh, the children's uh, arts and crafts and the Bible adventures and stuff. Mm-hmm. I like that so much. Acolyting is so integral to the service itself; it's a no-brainer. Right. What they're helping, but it also allows. Sudden for me now. She's able to go to Sunday school.
0: Oh, yeah. Both and see it. Mm. Right, as
5: the, the teaching the third graders or something or the, the three-year-olds or whatever. That wraps the whole time up. Right,
0: right. right. right.
5: So, I like, so it's, it's, I, I like that she's involved and then still is able to go and get that age-specific you know, yes. Cause where we live, the weekly Bible study and stuff its not real practical. Right, for right. Us, and so she's able to do it and to speak to the younger kids having had uh sophie was kind of right at that age where it flipped over hmm i'm still kind of the mindset that sixth grade is probably where it should have stayed mm. i don't really think sophie's i up to a certain point i think just the general impression of i'm going to have a positive experience right is beneficial and having them see i thought it was i thought the old system actually was pretty good where they got to see the liturgy, mm. it's a lot easier to explain, or it, it, it's not that hard to explain. These are our prayers we say weekly, mm-hmm. asking God for forgiveness, and then they're out of there, and, you know, we can sit back and, you know, absorb the sermon that they're, you know, I, I think sixth grade is a pretty good age, in my opinion, mm. for them to start to be expected to get, be able to connect the reading to the sermon. And right, that. yeah. And, so in, and and having taught fourth and fifth grade, uh, I made a point to kind of ask and talk about the sermon the first couple minutes. Mm, that's smart. And then, uh, there's always going to be the one, uh, like uh, somebody's son in here, very good at doing that. Uh, that would get the, some of the big things. Yeah. The sermon. Uh, but for the for the most of them, uh, uh, most of them they just they just watch right. up. Yeah. So I'm of opinion
0: that the old system was just fine. That's a good point. Um, Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I haven't been here long enough to see how the new system really is playing out. Um, And I think, think, too, we have to kind of remember, like, what do we really believe about the work of the Holy Spirit? You know, can a fourth grader hear the sermon? It, It probably appears that, you know, nothing's going on in there. But the way that the Holy Spirit works is that He's always at work, and that um, it could be one little fraction of a sentence that sticks with that child, um, and that you know it could be a little tiny seed that's planted by the Holy Spirit that um, then grows into something beautiful um, that is revealed to the Lord with that child. Um, that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of how I justify it, um, just trusting that the Holy Spirit knows what He's doing. Um, but yeah, that. Thank you for sharing that. I, um, like I said, I haven't really. Seen it in play too much, and I'm also not a parent, so I really don't have a dog in that fight. Um, any other questions? Yes.
3: I just want to build on what mom said. Yeah. <laughs> <My name's Carol>. <laughs> <laughs> you, we, we're coming from a church where the, the kids were in the service from early on, and from the pulpit, it was very much, it was, it was just a pattern of the church. It was just very much a part of the church that the kids are going to be here. And kids squirmed, and the priest would make a joke about it, or you have a baby that would, mm. would squeal, and he'd say, oh, "Just speaking in tongues, don't worry about it." And, <laughs> and, it, and it was just such—there wasn't pressure on the parents having. Right. With children, mm. Because everybody knew that this was acceptable, and this was a part of it. So mm. I, guess I would just say, encourage you. This is a great class, and I was glad to hear you say that, and just you know, get the word out. Yeah. Like this is an mm. important value of the church to maybe cut down on those looks. Yeah. This family has gotten than other people because there's not, there is, this, this distracting to have a small child poking you, but it's more distracting to have a small child poking at you and you thinking everybody around mm. me is corrupted and they hate me yeah. and they want me to
0: leave. That's a great I point.
3: Know. Right,
0: right. Oh, I can only imagine. Oh, we and need and more of that. I
1: like went home. It was like the first we were here. I'm going to cry now. Mm-hmm. And no, I'm not. I'm,
0: I'm like, <laughs> I went home and just fall mad. Mm. It means so much to me. That's really beautiful. So I feel like,
1: yes, the attitude is so helpful, but we're not
0: devoid
1: of it. Right. Like, no, right. Have, like, mm. Yeah. So we're, so we're
3: like, I love watching your kids fight. I'm like, okay, go <laughs> 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 And, and, I, and I don't want to say it in a negative way that we always get that I guess I'm saying to you like it's the leadership from the church mm. teach the other people to say this is a part of the church and this Yeah. Is important to us and this is why so help us to as you're saying intergenerational is not just from the bottom up it's from the top right and say to the to the people who don't have children in these ages anymore to say this is important reach out to these yeah. children and include them and don't make them feel like they're mm. you know and I, I think so working it from both angles mm. is beneficial to everyone
0: that's such a good word yeah
4: Maybe your children should sit with us next
3: time.
4: <laughs> there we go. We can
0: have
3: sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> I'm liking this.
0: It's turning into a think tank now. I like it. Yeah, adopt a child for a Sunday. <laughs> um, well, y'all have been great. Oh, yes, one last.
4: I just was curious. I know, like, the kids have opportunities to really you to work with, say, younger kids. But what I was wondering is how can we get, like, I know, like,
3: Say people that are older than me,
1: that mm. my kids like grandparents
0: age. There's kind of a disconnect there. For sure,
1: yes. I know, like with us, we don't have grandparents
0: nearby, so right. it'd be nice to
1: have older people that mm. kids, you know, look up to
0: or connect with. And yeah. How can we? I like. It. I'm so glad you pointed that out. Yeah, and I think, um, I think it takes more than b- making palm crosses together. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, I was actually just at the Rooted conference this weekend and there's this really cool thing that I would love to see happen here. It's called the Pray For Me campaign. And what happens is um, a child chooses three people from three different generations um, to pray for them for a year. And there's a little guide that you get and just every day you commit to praying for this child. Um, And so I think that's a really cool example because the child is being prayed for by three different people and then these three people are in different generations, so they're um, establishing a relationship through their mutual love for the child. Um, that's one way, I think, just prayer partners. Um, but that's something that we we can be prayerful about because I agree, there's a huge disconnect there. And if anyone has any ideas, please let me know. <laughs> um, well, y- yes, thank you so much, everyone. This has been great. Um, Thanks for making me feel less scared to be up here. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at
2: adventbirmingham.org.